Now, The Interpreter Show, with discussion, debate, and the latest information on all kinds of religious issues and topics. Now, let's turn to the Come Follow Me lesson. This is lesson... uh, the lesson that deals with Matthew 1 and Luke 1. And uh, let's provide some context for the discussion of these chapters. Professor Bowen, uh, what do you think would be important for people to know as they study these chapters? Well, it's it's important to note that Matthew's and Luke's respective audiences to start, and that Matthew is um, a a Jew writing to a Jewish audience, and that Luke is a, a Gentile uh, writing to a Gentile audience of believers in Jesus. Um, Joseph Fitzmaier thinks that, that Luke was, a, was Semitic by background, probably Syrian, but um, not Jewish, but then he either converts first to Judaism and then to Christianity or to um, to Christianity. And so uh, Matthew, as a Jewish author writing to a Jew- Jewish audience, is going to really emphasize at the beginning um, Jesus' relationship to David, because as Messiah, he... Um, that title or that identity as son of David is really important and also connects um, him to Abraham and the Abrahamic covenant right there in the, in the, the first verse. Um, you know, the, I'll, I'll read it from the NRSV um, updated edition, an account of the genealogy or birth of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And then, um, Luke is particularly interested in um, showing that um, Jesus isn't isn't just the um, rede- isn't just the redeemer of Israel, but that he is the savior of all people, um, Jew and Gentile. Um, Luke traveled with Paul, and so we we knowing a little bit about Paul's story and his interest in spreading the gospel among the Gentiles is um, important to understanding um, the type of work that Luke sought to create in in the gospel of Luke and its sequel, the, the book of the Acts of the Apostles. So um, your, your uh, discussion of audiences, I think... Um probably helps us understand a bit why the genealogies that we see laid out by Matthew and Luke are different. Um, could, could you comment yep. on that? Yeah. Um, the, it, what's interesting about Matthew's genealogy, and I was going to say something about this anyway, is that you have um, three sets of 14 generations, and um, I don't know if we've mentioned it on the show. We may have. But there's a what they call a gematria with these uh, with the the numbers the number fourteen, which Matthew himself emph- emphasizes. 
um, uh, a way of writing um, 14 in Hebrew is with the letters uh, Daleth Vav Daleth, which spells the name David. And so to cre- to make sure that um, it works out to 14 um, uh, generations from uh, Abraham uh, to David and David to the exile and then from the exile to Jesus, uh, Matthew plays a little bit with the with the generations. Um, it, you know, excludes some generations to make the, the, this number schema work out. Fourteen, 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 and um, the the anyone who's read the the genealogy for Jesus in Luke three will notice that it's. It goes all the way back through biblical history to to Adam, who's the father of the whole human family, not just um, focusing on David and Abraham as progenitors, but also you know God, who's the father of the the whole human family. Um, some have speculated about the nature of the the Luke three genealogy as relating to 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 Mary versus Joseph. And um, there could be a number of other additional reasons for the you know, the offering of a, a, a different etymo- or different um, genealogy there. It is interesting too. One of the things that Matthew mentions um, is um, he's got four. I guess if you count Mary, five um, women in the uh, the list. Yes, but um, it also kind of shows that his. Um, um, thinking about Bathsheba um, is not um, really that high. She's not included by name, but she's only included as the the wife of Uriah. Um, yeah, and and, it, and it's interesting to me. I'm glad what we're t- that we're talking about this because um, Matthew is definitely trying to to make a point to a, a Jewish audience by mentioning the these women Tamar. Um, is in verse three is mm-hmm. a Canaanite woman who um, who becomes the mother of twins by Judah after he fails to provo- to um, have his son or he, well he himself fails to perform his leveret responsibilities. Um, then you have Rahab in verse five who is. Um, the uh, a, a Canaanite prostitute, and um, and then in verse, um, still in verse five, you have Ruth, who is a Moabite, and also, you know, who had been widowed, married previously, and then you have. Um, as you mentioned, the wife of Uriah, uh, with the name omitted, um, uh-huh. Bathsheba, who um, is probably also a Canaanite because she's the the wife of um, Uriah, who is a Hittite and part of the Jerusalem elite. Um, probably even at the time David conquers the city, hmm. and um, 
So these are all non-Israelite women. These are all um, women with complications in their personal stories. And Matthew is definitely making a point about um, not only the the idea of a you know, the, the fictitious idea of a sort of a pure ancestry or a pure Israelite ancestry, but he's also helping us see that people with complications in their personal stories, people who are considered to have, um, you know, uh, Canaanite or non-Israelite backgrounds, are not only a part of the the royal genealogy of David, but also of the Messiah who is the son of David. Yeah, I think that's a good point too. It just shows that, yeah, like you said, it's 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 a gospel for everybody. And it, I really like what you said about how it, you know, kind of undermines that idea of a a pure royal, you know, lineage. David's um, history was complicated. Um, His actions were complicated. And, you know, um, this, uh, you know, poor carpenter from backwater Nazareth, you know, he's going to be complicated too. He's not going to be, you know, what people are expecting. And uh, Matthew just kind of sets us up. you know, right away, you know, to say, you know, this this Jesus who is is coming, um, in in our in our story, he's you know he's come, he's the the redeemer, but he might not be what you're expecting. And and by the time we get to Mary and the genealogy, now we you know the, the reader doesn't see um, her situation as you know perhaps as scandalous as. Um, some might if they don't read the genealogy beforehand and see what Matthew's um, getting at. You know, there there is this uh, this thought that one is the genealogy of Joseph and one is the genealogy of Mary. I, I'm not sure. I, I understand theologically why that would be important to make that argument that you know either way he comes from a royal line. Um, it's just hard for me to see where it is in the in the genealogy that we're really tying this to Mary. The the pro, I guess w- w- one of the strange things though is that it it has two different fathers for Joseph. So in Luke chapter three verse twenty three it says Joseph, which was the son of Haley, and then in Matthew chapter one verse sixteen it says Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary. Um, Professor Bowen, what are we to make of that? Why is it that Joseph has two different fathers? And where, where is it that, uh, is there any justification for claiming that one is actually the the, the genealogy of Mary? Well, I, you know, I, I, one point I would make is sometimes you have individuals with, you know, cognomena, um, other names that they go by, and that's, you know, you know always a possibility but um yeah other than that i i i don't know i you know you see the, these things claimed about the genealogies but i'm not you know i've never really been settled on a solution well one thing we can say is like you were mentioning before that they're they're kind of monkeying with the numbers here uh to try to to make a, a larger point or yeah. you know, draw some symbolism so maybe we're skipping some generations here you know where maybe it says you know jacob begat joseph um, you know, maybe there are some generations missing between. That's entirely possible. Yeah, and same same with um, you know Joseph, which was the son of Heli. 
um, you know, maybe maybe he was directly, you know, maybe Heli was his dad, maybe Heli was a grandpa or, you know, great-grandpa. Um, so that might be what's going on. But, um, boy, it just seems, too, that uh, this idea that one is Mary's and one is, is Joseph's, um, it doesn't seem to be borne out in the text. I, I, I can't. I can't it, see that. You, it's definitely speculative. Yeah, yeah, it's not well anchored in in the text, and that that point should be made. Yeah, and I'm okay with that. I think that's absolutely fine because we, you know, realize that the point of these genealogies is to, you know, uh, prove a, a point that you know Christ has a a royal background, and if either author, um, you know, goes about it a, a different way, you know, we don't have to think of them as being. You know, contradictory per se. Um, we think of them as you know doing the best they can to craft a story that's you know true that rings true to them. Well, there's definitely a lot to talk about here with these uh, two chapters. Uh, boy, we you know could go into some of the temple imagery, uh, some of the background of uh, you know people serving in the temple. Um, you know how that sets up the story. Uh, we're out of time now, though, and um, is, is there anything that you might add just in closing? We've got uh, just a minute or two left, Professor Bowen. I would just add, um, since we didn't talk much about Luke, I, I think it's interesting that Luke tells us very early on you know, that he's compiling his gospel from you know, uh, sources who were eyewitnesses. And um, you know, there's a lot in chapter 1 that would suggest that what he's telling us about Elizabeth and Zechariah and about um, Mary are are things he's gained from eyewitness sources. And, uh, you know, it's hard to say exactly when and where. You know, some have um, suggested that maybe, you know, since Mary is at, by tradition, at Ephesus, Later on, that um, he, you know, speaks to her um, person to person there, and in some kind of interview, and gets some of her story. But you know, I, I think it is interesting to to consider um, Luke one as a um, an account that ha- that does rely on um, first person experiences. And there's a lot in there that, you know, in terms of um, Elizabeth's, or, you know, what's said about Elizabeth in terms of barrenness, connecting back to Hannah and to um, Sarah and others in the past who experienced that barrenness. Um, and um, Mary's Magnificat connecting back with um, um Hannah's song and and other things, but uh, there there's just uh, Luke chapter one is really rich as you mentioned with temple symbolism. Um, the more we know about the the Mosaic law and the temple, you know, the more we appreciate what's going on in the the Savior's birth narrative there. All right. Well, uh, this has been our New Testament in Context segment of the Interpreter Radio Show. Thanks for joining us, and join us next time on K-Talk Radio. You're listening to K-Talk Radio, KBJA 1640 AM, Sandy, Salt Lake City, and all across the Wasatch Front. 
bring you live local two-way talk. Howdy, folks. It's me, Colonel Sanders. My KFC $20 fill-up includes a whole bucket of delicious Kentucky Fried Chicken, two sides of mashed potatoes and gravy, coleslaw, and four flaky biscuits for just $20. 